Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's Food News and Choose Radio, sponsored by our friends at Sullivan University. Man, Jeremy, Sylvia, we we got a great show today. And I'll oh, tell you something. This is way down my alley. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk yeah. to a, a guy at UK named Bob Perry, who is working on the program to get food to Mars. Humanity right? and space. I, legitimately sending food into space. To get there. This is okay. University of Kentucky. Yeah. But and then, this you is, know, it's seven months now, but we don't know. It might be... By the time we're all gone. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's almost like technology moves so fast. We may launch a ship and then a month later launch a faster one and catch the first sure. one. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. That, it's how, it's how fast. It's just the problems we have to solve. We, we, we got a lot. That's going to be the second half of the show. This hour of the show, we're going to talk about hot dogs. We're going to talk about, I know you have a wine dinner coming up. Yes, yeah. a food what odyssey. Talk, yeah, and what you talked about, I think, is a, a theme, too, uh, after your dinners, but um, a prime going back to sort of primal times mm -hmm. which is kind of interestingly enough interesting in talking about space right yeah. what's new is now old anyway so, yeah tell us about your, about your events all right so i'm going to do a little a plug here guys i got a really nice wine dinner coming up and it's going to be august 24th so next week you still have some tables available at 7 p.m and this is a mediterranean food odyssey and this came about because our our customers the the ones that come to chef series uh, we literally just asked at the at the end of the last one what do you guys want to see more of and they said something interesting and they said a lot of they started naming off european countries and and stuff so instead of choosing one we just said let's just take a little tour so we're going to be doing a food odyssey from and doing foods from spain portugal turkey and greece so yes. i think portugal and in in turkey probably are, are cuisines that people aren't very familiar with around here i don't I really not. see any presence in our region no. spanish sure you know there's been plenty of sp spanish food influences mm -hmm. but you don't see in that tell us all right so i'm gonna i started off with my f one of my favorite spanish style appetizers and it's it's very simple guys but it's just gambas al aljillo it's just shrimp with garlic and this one's a little bit kind of sexy and dirty it's guys from because spain, you said? from spain because okay. this is this is where we use the, the head-on shrimp you know like the, the the prawns like the ones that have the, the mm -hmm. heads on all the little legs but uh -huh. that's the sexy part i mean you're gonna you know rip the head off and we'll have Authentic. lots of extra virgin olive oil they'll be swimming in with toasted garlic oh, wow. and tons of sherry wine from spain and then we usually use iberico ham that really nice yeah. ham from spain i think our country ham from around here is just as good as that really? spanish ham so i'm gonna sprinkle a little country ham in there with some chilies and toasted baguette so really all this is is cooked off shrimp and lots of wine and garlic with bread to dip in and a little <gasps> country so ham good. bites right so very good we're going to pair that with wine i'm doing a bacalao from portugal bacalao being salt cod salt cod that you then rehydrate right it's it, delicious so it's it, i'm glad you know what it is mm -hmm. because it, if study this guys like my i know it because my grandmother used salt cod to make clam chowders and chowders mm -hmm. when you know in what soups. does it mean to rehydrate though so what happens is they they basically coat and store the fresh fish in salt right until it petrifies and it's like dehydrated so it has no so sh it has an eternal shelf life really oh so, so when i was a kid fish and you you soak it in water several mm -hmm. times to make it to not so salty that. you have to rinse it so for how did you get exposed so when i was it's an italian well it's portuguese yeah. spanish italian when i was a kid if you went into an italian grocery store there were piles of what looked like sh white shoe leather right and it's codfish. codfish yeah it's very stiff you can't bite it it's so salty 
So you, so you have to soak you have to let it like sit in water, that. and you have to you know w- rinse it at least like four times yes. to get all the salt out of it. And my grandmother would make it into basically fish cakes because it shreds really and it's delicious. It, it is. It, it's it sounds great. It's better. It's one of those things. It's a very that, strong flavor. Very strong flavor, but it tastes nothing like fresh cod so it's like real fresh fish isn't a good substitution for it right because it's like beef jerky that's been rehydrated exactly it's still good it's still good it's not the same it's a completely completely different different taste not the same okay so that's the second course so that's the baklalau that's you know what guys i'm not just going to give you a big old piece of salt cod what i'm doing is a brandad um kind of a little bit of a, a puree of that salt cod on a piece of fresh cod Right? Oh, wow. Okay. And then we're going to do a little broth with salt cod and little neck clams and lots of fresh corn and the milk from that corn. So maybe a little potatoes floating around in there too, right? My grandmother, when she would do it, she would do it with water, you know, do the four rinses with water and then let it soak in milk. Yeah, milk and, is the and then that's purifier. The li- yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So is that, is that what that is? Is that like a soup? It, it takes a... It takes a, 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 a take some flavor out of it. Is it, okay. yeah. is it a soup-like texture? Um. So... The, the baklao itself, when it's rehydrated, is not soup-like, but that's what I use it in primarily is to flavor soups oh, and okay. stocks and sauces. So, yeah, I'm basically making a little neck clam and corn and potato soup with that cod that'll have a nice piece of cod floating in it that's crusted with some more salt cod. So that's from Portugal. So that's something probably we haven't gotten to experience. I can't wait to cook that for you guys. Next up is Turkish food. Turkey. I can't wait to hear this one. Yeah, this one's... Um, so... Turkish food for foodies, for chefs, is probably top three cuisines in the world. Really? It's Why? a mysteriously delicious, fun food. Why is that, Jeremy? Why Just, would chefs gravitate to that? I think it has to do with the mixture of influence from like Spain oh. and all the Mediterranean, just how they kind of yeah, put it together, different spices, right? So this this dish is called manti, and I love it. It's typically made with ground meat and i chose to use turkey for this because turkey right turkey yeah. turkey um, it just sounded fun and you don't have to you, but you i'm going to use some sweet spices in there and and you know turkish spices in the ground meat mixture and it gets wrapped in a little dumpling so it's kind of a a little turkey dumpling that's got a garlic yogurt sauce and fresh mint so it's very unusual but i think it's going to be very delicious and tastes very kind of homey very uh-huh. very and then the last one is Greece. We're doing a feta me malay. It's just basically feta that's wrapped in phyllo dough and fried. And then it's soaked with honey and thyme and rose water and butter. And this and is not a, a, this is a, another a, course. It's it not is. a dessert. Okay. Yeah, that's right. This is the, the Greece dessert slash oh, savory. Sort of like yummy. a mix between a cheese course and yummy. a dessert. That's exactly you what know, it is. In other, in other countries... There, when it comes to desserts, American desserts are way sweeter than everywhere else on the planet. Our, our desserts are very, very sweet. But also, they we don't use a lot of savory ingredients in desserts. And in a lot of the places, they do. Yeah. Because you, you don't do. think of feta cheese as a dessert cheese. Right. Or, but, you know, yeah, that's with, why with I kind of asked because it was... Yeah. Oh, I didn't think of it as that. But exactly. Yeah. And typically, this dish is not served mm. as a dessert. But seeing that this is a wine dinner... Um, a cheese course is super appropriate. That's a better way and to, to finish with a sweet cheese course. Why not? And yeah. you have wine pairings for each of the for each one. Yeah, oh, and sweet. we're going to do wines from each uh, each country. So, with the gambas, we'll have you know some Spanish wine. With the bacala, we'll have some Portuguese wine. With the monte, we'll nice. have Turkish wine. I've never had a Turkish wine. 
I want to know what that's. I like. didn't know there was Turkish wine. Yeah. So and then Greece. That's easy. We'll find some Greek Greek wine. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, guys, August twenty fourth, seven p.m. This one's sixty dollars per person plus tax that's and gratuity. Oh. Now we do have the wine pairing that'll be an additional oh, supplement. Be, yeah. So it's twenty. It's sixty dollars for the four courses. And not okay. So now you've got another one coming. The roses, four roses. Yes, we're kind of in infancy though, but I wanted yeah. to get that. You tell us, um, just tease us a little bit. Out aloud. Yes. Yeah, so you know, four roses. Yeah. We're doing their full product line, um, and I'm starting out with a beast burger. I know. And okay. this is that sounds basic. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking pretzel bun. I'm not sure, but it's a fun little. Little nice little slider uh-huh. burger, but it's it really a, is. It's a it's made out of wagyu, bison. I'm sorry, wagyu, wild boar, elk, and venison. So <gasps> it's it's a four beasts in one little patty, um, and I'll dress it with little cool things. But I wanted to try that just for a fun little hamburger yeah. bourbon pairing, and then I'm gonna do some miso chili pork belly with conch fritters. So that's a little wild. Wow. I'm going to take um, pork belly, and I think I'm going to do a four-day cure with light miso and then some spent bourbon mash um, and let that cure for about four days in the walk-in. Then I'll, I'll wipe it, I'll bag it, I'll sous-vide it for about 24 to 48 hours. Then we'll take it down, and I'll cut it into little pieces, and literally we'll just deep-fry it because it's going to be so tender. Oh, man. Get a little crispy on the outside. This is my kind of thing. reintroduce some miso and some of that mash bill along with some of our bourbon-smoked hot honey to glaze it. So that's going to be sitting with a little conch fritter, which is a seafood fritter, you know, Mm -hmm. the conch from the conch shell. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's kind of a Asian, southern, Floridian, Caribbean dish. It's what I felt like eating with uh with the bourbon so that one's fun and then we have the yellow label bourbon i'm gonna do some yellowtail snapper with because it's just that time of year bring up some fish from florida um and i'll do something yellow with the yellow theme and then we're gonna finish up with a chocolate pretzel tort with bourbon cream and bourbon this caramel. sounds fun yeah so 60 so, bucks per person on this too wow when is this going to be uh, do you um, have a date yet i do give me one second here though we're um pulling it up right now i'll tell you you could already make uh, reservations for the wine dinner, right? You can yeah, sign up for those. Yeah, the 24th. Yes. Yes. So make sure you do go to, yeah. uh, you know, Azure Restaurant, call the restaurant, find us on Facebook. 296-1007. She's got it. 296-1007 right now. Yeah. They'll make reservations for next uh, Thursday, which is the Odyssey Chef Series. Now on September 14th is when the Four Roses bourbon okay. will be. And we'll talk more about this on this yeah. show. Yeah, get past this one. Come now, uh, from very, very high-end food to hot yeah, dogs. to hot dogs. From <laughs> 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 hot dogs. Why, why are hot dogs important this, this week? article. Well, this is an article. I, I like this because it's kind of, what you're going to hear later is about something that's like about space, which is so far in the future, so mm-hmm. so beyond most of us. Hot dogs are but we can food. eat a hot dog right here. But I went to a restaurant out in, uh, out of, uh, in Carlsbad uh, called Campfire, and it's kind of evoking that an earlier time in our history, you know, where you went to campfires and s'mores on the menu every night, and meat. Cool. It cook, it's very meaty over open flame kitchen mm-hmm. uh, and just a beautiful place but very rustic and so what their claim to fame is we're taking us back to more primal days so i thought what better thing to talk about than hot dogs mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm seeing this too i was actually just talking to to norma before the show about some of the aga ovens and the mm-hmm. jaspers and you know when i was down at that middleby thing right the corporation that builds all these things there was a, a big strict divide 
between consumers or their customers. Half of them wanted the new technology right. and the bells and whistles. The other half were degrading back to just campfires. Yeah. Like yeah. They're like, my oven, I basically want charcoal and like a, a, a chain yeah. to hang well, or dangle a meat and, over. And yeah. you have the uh, all the wonderful yard tools now, you know, where you can cook outside and yeah, various ways and all of that. Well, but we realized that, like, you know, for a long time, we tried to get away from fire because you know it's it's mm-hmm. wasn't very technological we went to we propane went, and then we realized air fire, fryers are boring fire tastes really good yeah like it's a flavor yeah, it's co- an ingredient the, the, it's, yeah it's, it's an ingredient kinda, it's a flavor component kind of come up a little bit with gas flame stoves i have one right but they've gotten controversial because you're that's the gas mostly i mm. guess that's controversial but that's kind of interesting too because i think chefs probably prefer the flame where you can so, like yeah so it's more responsive i don't know exactly it's more responsive yeah. it's more hands-on you have more control over it it does what you want it to do when you tell it to do it like for instance i i had a big green egg that's charcoal and flame i went to a pellet grill this past year traeger mm-hmm. and i hate this thing i yeah. can't wait does somebody want to come pick it up just come <laughs> on and get it what do you like about it everything it doesn't i mean the it has mm-hmm. no firepower. Mm-hmm. It'll hold temperature for a while, but it does has no oomph yeah. in the yeah. flavor. It, lacks. it doesn't do it. It's like you're it's looking for, for that X factor. I, I just for for ninety nine percent of the population, it's fantastic. probably grass, but not, not for a for chef. Me. I'm like, not for right, a get this thing out of my yard. Get um, this junk. So you you, uh, you need that that X factor, that thing that makes it. I want to burn. Yeah, I want yeah, I want yeah, hot. Yeah, I want give me right. the option to right right campfire. New York dog thought of you twitch mm-hmm. um all beef with sauerkraut and spicy brown mustard what yep. they do is they take these regional hot dogs and they say what the essential one of the ones that people kind of go like ick is the seattle dog what's that what do you think's on a seattle dog oh, what would be coffee uh, fish in <laughs> some way <laughs> coffee some i love that fish probably hot coffee and Frank, a donut here's, here's the deal though cool cream cheese on a hot dog I mean, I I'll, I don't know. I'm fine with it. <laughs> It'd be, that would be one of those things. I'd probably try it, enjoy it, but only need to eat it once. See, I would do that, but I would be achieving like I would be building something like a jalapeno popper hot dog. Right. You know, they would be. Oh no, I love jalapeno hot popper. Right. So, so cream cheese like in that. It. So you probably would like it, but I probably wouldn't just put cream cheese. On. I wouldn't. So I should talk. I I looked up Chicago dog because um, I thought that's kind of interesting, yeah. and it's called the Garden Dog, and you know why? You run through the garden. A very specific set of seven items on it, and they are yellow mustard, relish, customarily neon green, chopped white onions, tomato slices, a pickle spear, pickle sports peppers, and celery salt. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's the dog. It's the garden dog. Now, does it talk about about a poppy seed bun? Yes, poppy seed bun. That's an essential. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the Chicago dog? Um, I actually love everything about a Chicago job. Except visually, I really don't care for the traditional bright green relish. Like the yeah. one that looks Hulk green. That's just weird. Yeah. But it doesn't mm-hmm. taste any different. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, interesting. And they've got that restaurant here that has Chicago. Oh, yeah. Chicago hamburger, Chicago hot dogs. Well, Frank's hot, or Sam's hot dog stands. Got oh, two yeah. locations. Sam's. They're excellent. And mm-hmm. then Boondogs. I've, I've yet to pay them a visit out. I want to go. Yeah, we but all do a field they're trip. They're going to have some solid dogs. Slaw dog. Mm-hmm. You know where the slaw dog Got to be South Carolina, right? The, it just Georgia. names the South. The South. The yeah. South is the slaw dog. I love slaws. And, of course, Cincinnati made the list. Cheese Coney. See, that's up there for me, guys. But I grew up around here. So, I mean, that was on my plate before I was a year old. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Is, there, is that the last one? The last hot no, dog? No, i got others. Well, my, my question is, what about the actual hot dog? Because we talk about the toppings, but yeah. I can tell you, for a New York dog, it has to have a skin casing and has to have a snap when you bite it. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like for a, for a Chicago dog, it's not quite, it's a little softer. For a Coney dog, it's a little bit, it's the the hot dog itself is not as firm, I feel like, for like a Cincinnati, like a, like a Coney dog. You, you thoughts? Okay. And by the way, what does emulsified mean? It means homo- like you basically are blend. You have perfectly blended the fats and In the, the liquid. Water. That's yeah. the uh, that's a bologna dog from Baltimore. Mm. Jewish deli. Yeah, I mean emulsified I, meat. I guess you know I, anything with a snap for me is a sausage. Yeah, okay. right. Whereas okay. a hot dog is a mushy. Really, it doesn't have a snap. See, I like a snap. I like a I'm snap. A I'm just saying snap those are the, how I A snap kinda. is the casing. Yeah. That, yeah. So no. when you eat like a New York dog, you get a snap on it. Yeah. And it, 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 that yeah. first bite is tough and it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Right. How but is all a brat- beef is kind of my feel. I'm, I'm sure. Into how is a brat related to a hot dog? It just, well, just really just the spices. It's the yeah. Same. I mean, it's, it's going to be the same emulsification. But the, the, the bratwurst, typically you've seen the, the ones that have spices and seeds in it, the rough grind. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen the white bratwurst, which yeah. is more of the pulverized, emulsified meat. So basically, uh, a bratwurst is all pork. There's typically no beef in a bratwurst because they're from Germany. And they wouldn't have used, yeah, right. they wouldn't have used well, the Germans pretty much just pork. Well, the Germans hot dogs in 1860. But beyond that, it's really, you know, just the, the spices and the flavorings in it. Yeah. 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 Well, but, what do you think? Alaska would produce. Oh, it's got to be they something. They have a hot dog. It's got to be. It, it, it's got to be something with the a weird Alaska meat. Alaska smoked salmon. Yeah, what's on? It's got to be weird meat. Are you ready? Bear. Yeah. <laughs> a delicately gamey link. Coca Cola onions. Gamey, gamey, gamey. Deer, what? elks, deer, bear, reindeer. Yeah. reindeer. Oh, reindeer dogs. Okay. Whew. I don't know about no, that. Santa thank would not you. Approve. All right, we're gonna have those. You've had man. a reindeer dog? Yeah, I didn't like it. I mean, yeah, you, you, you're, uh, you're not gonna compare to hot. Right. Oh, All right. Dear. In a moment, we're gonna talk about sending food to space with Bob Perry from UK. Very excited about this. Don't go anywhere. It's Food News and Choose Radio. Hey, welcome back. It's Food News and Choose Radio. We're gonna talk. Okay, we're gonna talk about some science stuff. Oh, maybe yeah. some science fictiony stuff and yeah. some food stuff. Bob Perry from the uh, Dietetics and Human Nutrition. Uh, or uh, part, I guess you'd say, of yeah. the Ag College at UK is with us. And so this is, you know, when it comes to food, you know this stuff, but you're talking about not just food on Earth, maybe food in space. Yeah, maybe on the seven seven months it takes to get to Mars. Right. Seven <laughs> months to get there. How oh, is that six, sustainable? Six yeah. months or so on the planet and then seven months to get back. That's a the, lot. The thing about food in space is no one's ever been in space longer than three weeks without being resupplied. And to be able to test that out must be so an a, a enormous long, challenge. A long-term voyage is going to be a lot different than everything they've done to this point. Yeah, so, so, so tell us about it. Wait, i got to stop there because that was a crazy fact. So on the ISS, they were resupplying about every three weeks yes. for those guys. That's amazing. I didn't know we were doing that many launches up to resupply. So, I mean, this is... Is that the International Space Station? International Space Station. Station. Yeah. Yeah, so and, and that's would... how they get fresh food up there all the time. Right. The, the astronauts love it when... Yeah, when the supply ship comes in and they get fresh bananas and fresh apples. Well, you're not going to have that going to no, Mars. No. Well, so so this sprung out of humanity in deep space. That's a an entity that's right. Been this created. is Chris, Chris Kimmel's nonprofit. Who's a genius? Yeah, Chris has uh, Space Tango, which right. actually his company Space Tango brokers all of the 
experiments done on the International Space Station. Oh, wow. So if you want to send something up, it's his company that Call Chris. makes it happen. And then he started this Humanity in Deep Space to really look at this, wow. you know, what's termed a wicked problem yeah. of feeding people long-term in space. And we have um, about every other month he organizes a conversation. And with me, I'm really honored to be part of it, too. Really? Astronauts, physicists, all sorts of way, way smart people. But nobody's ever considered how we're going to do this. So How you even can experiment with right. it, even, you know? So it's one of those that, that none of us are as smart as all of us. So I, you know, I think my only frame of reference for this is the movie The Martian, which yeah, a, lot of people, that's right. a lot of people consider yeah. to be the most scientifically accurate movie ever made based on the science that you know that and on that in that movie they they try to grow food on mars is that something that we're that we're looking at is trying to actually you know like, how do we provide 20 months of yeah. food yeah do we have to try to grow food there yeah that, i mean that's definitely part of it we've been in uh gary stute is one of our colleagues that participates in a lot of calls he's the recently retired chief horticulture officer of nasa so he's been growing plants in space for 25 years right and plants on the uh on the space the station, space station right. yeah. And it's uh, we had a conversation one day, and we were talking about well, what to grow. You can't really grow crops, you know. You can't grow tomatoes in space, but you can grow herbs is one thing. So, so you have to start thinking about combinations of food. Well, and, and, and I come at this from the neurogastronomy aspect. So, yeah. if you can grow herbs, think about so you've got a little chocolate bar that's space ready that'll last. You got this little chocolate bar, but if you could reach over and pick a fresh mint leaf and put on top of that chocolate bar and then eat that, yeah. that really makes people some, happy. So really, yeah. it's kind of maybe how do we get farther down the road by supplementing and combining things? And I'm, exactly. I'm sure you guys mm -hmm. are probably just talking about utter fiber plant calories right. as well. Maybe taking the neural gastronomy experience out of it, there has to be probably something done with compost or waste and reuse or I don't know yeah. just the so stacking ingredients to, to give to give calories in the body just yeah walk us life. through it to tell us where you are and the research and well it's it's all just talk right now we're well, still years away I'm reading Oppenheimer right now I went to see the movie <laughs> when you said physicist I'm like you know because it's all sciencey and uh, well, the other thing that, that Gary talked about is maybe we should look at growing medicinal herbs mm -hmm. right certain herbs are good for your blood flow certain herbs right. are good for memory mushrooms are good for memory certain things we can grow medicinally like that, which would, again, you can't really grow crops, but you can grow little things. And I think what's fascinating about that aspect of it is we're really going back to primitive. We're going back to pioneering. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to grow medicinal herbs. Which is That's what? That's folklore medicine. It I mean, is this folklore is medicine. It's what you it is, forage exactly. in the forest for. So how much thought is given to, and I know obviously you have to supply the human body with calories and nutrients and, you know, they have to eat, but how much thought is given to, like, palate fatigue? You know, you're going to be on a thing for 20 oh, months, yeah. probably eating dehydrated just to keep morale up. Things like you said, like like mint, just a little bit of sprig of mint. Or even would, just a tiny chocolate bar. Right. Like, <laughs> like how, how do you factor one. that or do you factor yeah. that? Is it just about yeah. we got to oh, feed you? it is about taste. That's no, the neurogastronomy part. Right. Yeah. That is the neurogastronomy part. And it's, it's really all about taste. It, so to explain what neurogastronomy is, you think of it this way. All foods have flavors. It's quantifiable. We can measure what's in food. We were talking about bourbon earlier. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, we can tell you exactly what chemicals make up bourbon right. to give it its flavor. Taste is created in the brain. Okay. 
You and I both eat the exact same thing. We take a bite of the same apple. But it tastes You love it. I hate it. That's in your mind. That's not in the apple. So when we look at eating in space from a neurogastronomic point, that's a big word to say. A gastronomic Uh, point. Yeah, what can we do to enhance their meal times? And the astronauts get to pick their own foods within reason. It all has to be manufactured at NASA. But, you know, we have an international cruise now, so what, there's what, all sorts of different what, foods. What do they, they send up to the space station? Do they send up a sirloin? I mean, what, what do they no, get? It's, it's, what do they get? Because they're only there for a short time, right. so it can be, like, it's, different. It's, if the one thing they're not allowed to have is anything with crumbs. With yeah, crumbs? Sure. Because things float, <gasps> and you don't want crumbs getting into the sensitive <laughs> like equipment. short-circuiting something. <laughs> so for they don't have bread, but they have tortillas they have flour tortillas oh it makes sense. that's okay. their bread what about meat are they able to not much meat no it, unless it's unless it's already made up into a stew or something you, you're not going to have a steak in space you got to think you can have no flame period yeah. so yeah. you got to cook some some other method right typically so, what, what what would be used on a well it's and that's news too it's really interesting i've been i met this guy he called me out of the blue jim sears he'd seen some of the media and he's a retired aerospace engineer he used to work for one of the big companies and of course, he retired, so he went home to his house and built a uh, laboratory in his garage. Well, yeah, sounds like a scientist. And he built, he calls it a space appliance. I'll see if I can describe this to you. So it's a round cylinder, probably about eight inches of diameter and about eight inches tall, that has heating elements around the outside. Yeah. And it goes on a base that spins, and then you put a lid on it, and this thing will operate in zero gravity. That's the point. Wow. So, and he gave me an, an online demo last week. It was fascinating. So he gets this thing, and it's a, I don't know, it's about the size of a microwave, I guess. And he gets, he puts the cylinder on there, and he starts it spinning. And he goes, I'm going to make a pizza. <gasps> so he takes string cheese, mozzarella string cheese, cuts it up, lets it fall. Of course, we're not in zero gravity, so he doesn't have the lid on it. Normally, everything is injected. But he cuts up this string cheese, of course, centrifugal force, spins the cheese to the outer wall where the outer wall is heated from the outside going in the cheese melts and forms a layer then he made a dough with bisquick that's still wet and pourable he pours that in the cylinder of course it splashes to the outside and starts to cook then just a a canned tomato sauce some dehydrated garlic some dehydrated onion and and let it spin for about i think it was 14 minutes and the heat generates it, it cooks it and he pulls out a round pizza looks like a pipe <laughs> but it, it's a pizza wow. Wow. Well, so, i mean i'm trying to get my head around i mean yeah. i get but Without, it works it's not a stove anymore it it's works a, yeah it's yeah. centrifugal force and, and electric well yeah you have to use centrifugal be force because there's no gravity right so exactly. you have you how you keep it okay so it's like a rounded kind yeah of it's like you gotta make it looks it like a piece of space pipe. buns or but you know almost what you're saying is and again this go this is where it goes from science to science fiction if if you through neurogastronomy, you know what flavors are. You could quantify the flavor compounds. How long is it before we can, and I guess is a sign, you know, a food replicator where you can take proteins and stick sticky proteins together and flavor them how you want and literally create almost any food from just a few, almost like when you go to Home Depot and they take the white paint and they put all the, you know. Like 3D printing it. Right, right yeah. How is that printing, yeah. a possibility? Well, there, there was a recent... Uh, Phase two, I think, ended in May, a food contest by NASA. And that was one of the things that won an award was 3D printing food. Yeah, I think that's... Wow. But you got to think about it. We come up with these ideas, and then we're always brought back by weight. Right. Weight. 
it costs money to shoot things it's in space. Sustainability. Everything for seven has to be weighed. Months, so yeah. the weight of a 3D printer and all the stuff to go in it is yeah. it worth it? Is it worth it? We, we don't know. Everything I mean, would have to be made into some kind of paste. Right. Yeah. I Let's, guess you could rehydrate that up in space with available water, but well, you've got to take all the water with you, you too. Well, that, that was be my next question. Is there any talk of getting water from? Not basically not taking it with us, finding it along the way from an asteroid or using it, you know, using the water, the ice right. on Mars. I yeah. mean, we're talking about a long straw term. sucking it out of an is, asteroid. Yeah, is yeah. that a, a possibility? <laughs> one, one thing that's been batted around, and it's probably what they'll end up doing, uh, is actually shooting up uh, supply ships. So, in advance of oh, humans okay. going to Mars, right. they'll send up a cargo container. Think about a cargo container and put it in orbit around Mars. Yeah. And then when they get there, oh, yeah, they can sure. dock with it. Like they do with the space station. Like they do with the space station. Uh, but mean, still, but you're looking at seven months to get there and the food. You got all of that. With the radiation, it's, you've and, only got well, about 18 months and, before the food. And I'd inedible. want that in orbit before I took off on my Earth. Yeah, yeah, I want right. to make sure so my stuff is. Where would you say your timeline is? Are you 20% along the way of discovering all this stuff? Are you 10%? Are you just beginning? Where are you in just the trajectory? Really. Just beginning. Well, I mean, NASA has collected data since so day So you have one, the data. So you just need to. There's, there's a. I, I can't remember the acronym for it, but I've got it saved on my computer at work. There's a a file that NASA created that lists virtually, uh, not virtually, lists everything a human being needs to survive in space down to the nth degree. Yeah. How much water per day? How much food per day? How much this per day? Yeah. And it's amazing calculations you know what's funny as i speaking about that i just i was reading an article that's basically the basis was it would be wise if we only sent all female crews into space and the reason why is generally females require 20 percent less calories 20 percent less oxygen 20 percent less water so actually you can get more you know more uh it's i had to say more value from your well, material. The, the, the perfect, and they might have, like the, me, more fat on their bodies. The perfect, the perfect astronaut. It's, and it's funny you say that because Chris and I were talking one day, and my youngest son is anosmic, meaning he has no sense of smell or taste, which is horrible for the son yeah, of a Yeah, sure. The son of a but chef. It's, but it's great had, for an astronaut. <laughs> he had no surgery. So the perfect astronaut would be a woman who consumes only 80% what men do, who is anosmic, so they don't care what they eat. They eat for texture. Yeah. Yeah. My son eats for texture who's also had a hysterectomy, a tonsillectomy, and an appendectomy. Because you're not allowed to go in space with your appendix. So start signing up. Really? You really? Wanna do, you want to do an emergency appendectomy I... in space? Oh, 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 how interesting. Yeah. Hey, there was, I don't know how they did this experiment, but they, I don't know how they did it, uh, but they said who would be left if you had a whole room full of people, different types, ages, everything, two genders, who would be the last left alive with no food or water? A twelve-year-old girl. <laughs> Is that interesting? Because, because she's the longest on, and she's going into puberty usually, yeah. and she has more fat on her body. And so, anyway, it's just anyway. There you go for your random <laughs> I guess that's yeah, fact that's how you of have the to day. Think. Yeah. 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 Um, let me ask you a question mm-hmm. because I want to make sure that we say this for our audience uh, before we go away. Um, what's the practice? There's a practical application to this too for Earth, right? I mean, this is like experiment. It's sort of like people kind of knock the money given to NASA and stuff because it's like outer space. I'm never going to go to Mars. What is there's because we have hunger issues in this on this planet. Mm-hmm. Waste and perishability. Uh, we have waste and perishability. All of those things. So, is this does this yeah, going to have some practical? Space earth? space exploration has always yielded 
practicalities for Earth and what will come out of this. I mean, we could take some guesses and figure, but we really don't know. Don't don't know, but we know that we will get some stuff out of it. I yeah. mean, we only have Velcro because we went in space. Exactly. Like, so, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's it for it puts you in a box, and I feel like when you're in a box, you have to get have creative to with very little, and that's why we. The space race was so the boom we had in America with technology after the space race was incalculable. Man, I just love this, Bob. Like, how did it? How did this come up? We live in an age where, as a chef, you're literally one of the first people on the planet to talk about how to make human beings an interplanetary species. Yeah, and a chef is involved in that creative scientific process. I love it. I I wish I could sit on on some of this stuff. I also want to know. Just because I don't, I've, I've, I'm, I'm familiar with the neurogastronomy because I've gotten to go to some of the lectures, which is awesome. The real world applications of that are incredible, especially for cancer patients and people who are sick. Right. You're right. In, 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 it's, well, if we're talking about, and I'm going to let Bob do this better mm. because we talk, he, he's the expert, but if you talk about somebody that is, you know, in chemo and can't taste, mm-hmm. there's right. application. Well, Jeremy did a dinner for us at our first symposium that was phenomenal and we're going to do that again we're bringing new york astronomy back to lexington in may of next year oh Oh, neat awesome and uh so you may get me up again yeah that was great but for instance yeah the the first time we did this we we focused on cancer patients who always have a metallic taste in their mouth and how can we get around that or over that or help it the latest one uh here comes a lot of big words (laughs) we've been asked to take our new york astronomy folks and our little show to take part in the International Neurological Ketogenic Society Conference ah. in San Diego next month. Oh, yeah, go every year. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is MDs and PhDs that work with children with epilepsy. And what they found is if a child goes on a strict keto diet, their seizures almost disappear. You're kidding. They don't know why. But that's the reason for You're this kidding. conference is to yeah. bring together all these people and yeah and uh, actually we're a good talking about natural ketones right like ketones yeah. in the bottom Ket- okay. regular keto a full keto diet. Diet. out carbohydrates going into wonder, ketosis diet. right yeah. wonder if it but, works for dogs my dog has seizures <laughs> and it's it's just fascinating that there's something in something the, it's called the gut brain axis yeah so there's something about wow keeping carbs out of the the gut that lets your brain not go into seizure so I've got a friend, Trevor Marones, who's a chef. He was a was a chef. Now he owns a company that does HACCP plans for big casinos and hotels in Vegas and meat processors, charcuterie. Um, I saw a post by him and that he said he was a year seizure-free, and I wrote him because of this conference. I said, do you have epilepsy? He goes, no, I had a brain tumor. He said, I had a brain tumor removed. And since then, he's gone on a keto diet, and he does and? not Iron Man. What's the one beyond Iron Man? Oh, like the uh, ultra, ma- the yeah. ultra, uh, yeah. He does uh-huh. ultra marathons and a strict keto diet. And he and has not no had seizures. any seizures. Well, so I've got know. him coming to do a, a couple of programs. So the, for the again, kids. that's back to your basic you know, neuro. Right. Back in science, the, the original philosophy: let your you know medicine be your food, and your food be your medicine. Yeah. It seems like back in the day so that was true. philosophic, religion, spirituality. When you're talking like that, letting you know just some mm-hmm. magical food. But now, I mean, nowadays there's science supporting all of this. I, I mean, the food is the medicine. The, the things that we have here on yeah. Earth, the compounds that we don't we have, even understand. We're understanding how they work and affect the body to the, also, for the good. We're Amazing. finding out we knew a lot more than we thought we knew, yes. and then we kind of <laughs> forgot it. 
and yeah. we go back yeah. to it. Yeah. You know, right. it, it, foraging it, in the forest, right? Yeah. You know, and learning what's healthy Mushrooms. and what's not. And we get uh-huh. confused. They said, "Don't eat butter this week. Don't eat eggs next week." And then you're like, "Yeah, butter and eggs probably okay. Maybe don't eat the Doritos." You know, it's yeah. that kind of thing. But so r- before uh, before we go, we were talking. You were talking about neuro. I, I can't you can say that neuro neurosur- <laughs> Yes, and the quantifiable compounds in in everything we eat. Are there any tricks? that you like a little trick parlor tricks basically when it comes to flavor compounds that you can really trick the mind with that people can do at home well we do what we call sensory breaks during our conference and uh, i was working on one today so we take jello right everybody likes jello but we mix up the colors so i'm gonna take cherry jello red add green to it it'll turn purple so people will think grape but they get it it's gonna be cherry Oh then, yeah, uh, there's that another. would mess with your head. Yeah, and the other, I can't think of the the other one, but the last one I do, which really messes with your head, is I take clear vegetable stock and dye it red. So if you're looking at red Jello, what are you thinking? Yeah, cherry, think cherry strawberry. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna taste vegetable soup. Oh, yeah, it oh, really how messes interesting. with Yeah, it really messes with In the with 90s, the Heinz put out green ketchup, and it yeah. blew everyone's mind. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Bob Perry from the UK uh, Dietetics and Human Nutrition Department at, 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 in the Ag Department. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, coming on. It's today. been really great. fascinating. So much more to know. Yeah. Yeah, thank great. you. Yeah, and science. Back in a moment. It's Food News and Shoes Radio.